Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. The Father's House exists to see people discover life in Jesus. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. Hola, hola, bienvenidos a la casa del Padre. That's all I got, people, that's all I got. Hey, uh, thank you to our worship leaders for leading us in Portuguese today and for the stallion himself. Where did he go? Anthony, uh, doing some announcements. Single and ready to mingle, ladies. Just throwing that out there in case I haven't said it 48 other times from the stage. Well, hey, we're going to get into the word in just a moment. Uh, but before we do that, I, I do want to encourage you around our giving for uh, a few moments here at the beginning of the sermon. Um, many of you know that we celebrated our two-year anniversary last weekend. Super exciting. And uh, if you didn't get a chance, uh, jump onto our YouTube channel and check out that recap video from the last two years. Just to witness all God has done in our church over the last 24 months was awe-inspiring to say the least. But uh, there was a statistic inside that video that was personally inspiring to me. Uh, and that was that over the course of the last 24 months, we've been able to give over $233,000 away from this church to outreach and to missions and to benevolence. Oh, come on, you can do a little better than that today. That is, honestly, that... That makes me so happy. That's one of the most encouraging things I saw throughout that entire video. I believe that God has called our church to be a channel of blessing, to be those that are blessed so that we can be a blessing to our community. And I told you last week while I was preaching that um, I like to spend some time on Mondays just thanking God for what he's done. And I try not to ask for anything on Mondays, just treat that as like a thankful day. And uh, this last week I was doing what I do on Mondays, just thanking God for all the great things he did at our church. I was thanking him for all the people who showed up to the picnic to celebrate with us. I was thanking him I didn't get arrested uh, by the park rangers and I didn't end up in prison. You had to bail me out. Uh, I'm just really grateful for all that God was doing. And as I was praying and my faith was being stirred, because remember I said, as you recall the past and you thank God for what he's done, it builds your faith for the future. My faith started to stir up a little bit. And, and I made a statement while I was praying um, that I don't think I regret, but I definitely put us all on the hook for something, okay, when it comes to our money. But um, I was praying and I said, God, I just thank you that we've been able to get, give over $233,000 away in the first 24 months. And I believe that in the next 12 months, we're going to be able to give away just as much as we were able to do in the first two years. And I really do believe that. I, I, the words kind of came out of my mouth and I was like, okay, doing a little bit of mental math. We give about 12 to 13% of our budget away every single month to other places. And I was doing the math. I'm like, whoa, that's, that's a lot of money that we have to receive in order to give that much away. But man, as I prayed and I just witnessed all that God has done over the last couple of years, I am stirred and I believe that he is more than able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask, think, or imagine. And so I'm excited to see that take place over the next 12 months. And uh, no pressure, but it's really up to you if that actually happens, all right? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I do want to say this, if, uh, if this is your home church and you have yet to step into that, if you've yet to step into that lifestyle of generosity, trusting God with the first tenth of your income, tithing as the Bible calls it, I want to encourage you, start now. What better time than as we enter into year three as a community to give to the house of God, to sow into the kingdom and see what God would do with our resources through this church. Um, if you'd like to give today, a couple of ways you can do that. Uh, you can give, well, there's a magic button, I think, popping up on the screen. If you're on the live chat, you can give by clicking the link in YouTube or you can go to the app uh, or tfh.church and you can give right there. All right, we're going to get into the word. Is everyone ready for it? You guys ready here? 
Uh, we were scheduled to start a new series today, and uh, we've got, we had some content ready to go. And uh, this last week on Wednesday, when I jumped in to start studying for the sermon, um, I just had one of those days where it felt like I could not crank out any content. Like just nothing was making sense, nothing felt right. It felt like I was trying to shove a square peg into a round hole or grasp at straws or get a vegan to eat a hot dog or you know, whatever analogy you wanna, you wanna use. I just, I felt like I could not get anything to work. And I've learned by now as a, as a pastor and as a communicator that if it feels like I'm trying to force content, then I need to kind of step back for a moment and just pray a little bit and see if maybe I'm trying to say something that God's not saying, because usually that's the case. And so I went outside and I was praying and I just saying, God, hey, you know, it's Wednesday, your people need a word, so what do you got? And uh, as I was praying, I, I just really felt compelled to put that series that we were intending to start today on ice for a week and to focus in on just a simple scripture that God's been speaking to me and I think he wants to speak to our community today. Uh, a scripture that I think will help us, a familiar one, uh, in light of, of all that we're walking through at this particular, particular juncture in history. Uh, you've probably noticed by now, 2020 is pulling no punches, right? It just comes at you one after another. Drop, kick, punch, elbow, it just keeps on coming. Like, it doesn't seem to be stopping. And when it feels like all of the trouble and all of the pain and all of the worry begins to mount and it's only growing, it's important as believers that we remember what we're supposed to do in those situations. We need to remember where we're to take our troubles, where we're supposed to dump all of the drama that we're walking through right now, where, where, where we're supposed to, uh, let's say, shovel the stuff that we're walking through right now. We need to know what we're supposed to do with it because if we're not careful, we'll end up holding on to some stuff, internalizing some things that God is only equipped to handle. And so if we could, I kind of want to dive into that subject a little bit today. I want to talk about where we're supposed to take all the trouble that we're dealing with right now. And uh, if you have a Bible, um, we're going to look at a very simple scripture, a familiar one to many. It's in the book of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. If you've got a Bible, you can turn there. Uh, if not, we'll throw it on the screen. Also, if you don't have a Bible, let us know. Send a, an email to us. We've got so many Bibles that we would love to give away. We'll get a Bible to your house, to, uh, to, well, not today, but this week, if you need a Bible. That would be awesome. Amazon Prime, a Bible to your house. That'd be great. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Here's the scripture we're going to dive into. It says, cast all of your cares upon God because he cares for you. Such a simple and powerful promise. Cast all of your cares upon God because he cares for you. Some translations say cast your worries. Some say cast your burdens. Some say cast your anxieties. At the end of the day, basically what it's saying is those things that, that, that weigh you down during the day and keep you up at night, cast all of those things upon God because he cares for you. We're going to get into that and dig into it a little bit today. Uh, but as we do, let me give you a title for this chat because you know how much I love titles. Uh, if you're going to take notes, you can call this and title it, Lay Down the Letter. Lay Down the Letter. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that today as we go to it, it has the power to change our lives. Even as Jazzy prayed a moment ago, to change our perspective. Um, there are plenty of reasons to panic right now. There are plenty of reasons to worry. There seems to be mounting anxiety every single day. But Lord, we know that you have not fashioned us to carry those things. We are incapable of dealing with all of the stuff that seems to be coming at us day after day after day this year. 
So I pray that over the next couple of moments, this would be more than just concept, it would be more than just a cute little Bible teaching, but that this would be an equipping moment for us, that we would learn to, what to do with the trouble and the drama that we're facing right now, and that we would learn to cast it upon you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen. Uh, I think that this falls into the category of a famous scripture. There's a lot of famous scriptures that like, whether you're a Christian or not, whether you go to church or not, you just kind of know them. You've heard somebody say them before. Maybe it's woven into a pillow. Uh, maybe it's on a bumper sticker somewhere. Maybe if you're a little carnal, you got it tattooed somewhere on your body. I don't know. But there's some scriptures out there that everyone seems to know, like right up there with like, for God so loved the world and God has not given you a spirit of fear. I think this one's kind of on that same list. Cast your cares upon God because he cares for you. But you know what I've noticed about those scriptures? I've noticed that they seem to be very easy to quote and very difficult to live out. Have you noticed that before? Like, like it seems like it's easy to put it on a bumper sticker, but to practice it in your life, that's, that's really hard. It's easy to weave it into a pillow, but to weave it into the fabric of our day-to-day -day existence. See what I did there? It's, it's just difficult. It seems to be easier said than done. Like we all know that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. But so often we live in fear, don't we? We all know that we should be anxious for nothing, but we should pray about everything. But it is, isn't it interesting how much time we spend being anxious and freaking out about everything and praying about nothing? Like prayer is the last resort. When like, okay, everything else hasn't worked, let's pray. And I think we all kind of know that when stuff seems overwhelming, insurmountable, like our job is to cast that upon God because he's the only one who can handle it. But again, it just seems so much easier said than done. Uh, allow me to elaborate. The, the, the word here in the Greek, cast, it, it's the word ripto. Ripto, I rolled an R there because it's you know, Latin American heritage month. Like ripto, like ripto. And here's what it means. It means to throw down with haste. Not like a hey, throw down, but like throw down with haste, to quickly get something out of your hands, to drop it with haste. There's some urgency. There's some intensity to the word. It's like, I'm not going to cling to this thing. I, I got to get it out of my hands. And if you ever forget the definition, just here's the word, rip toe, rip toe. You rip it off and you throw it down to your toes. It's the anthem for your honeymoon. Uh, sorry, that's inappropriate, but <laughs> it's sanctified. But now you're going to remember it. Like, it means to quick, with haste, get something out of your hand. Imagine if you had just walked into your kitchen and uh, your spouse took something out of the oven, this has happened to me time and time again, and you grab the pan or you grab the pot without realizing that it had just come out of the oven and you didn't have an oven mitt on and all of a sudden, as you pick that thing up, you realize, oh my gosh, this thing is 450 degrees. At that moment, you're not worried about what's gonna happen with the contents of the pan. You're not worried about what could happen if you drop it on the floor. You just know that you have to quickly, as fast as possible, you have to get this thing out of your hands. And that's what Peter's talking about in the scripture. He's like, hey, don't, don't hold on too long. Just as fast as you can, get this thing off of you. Cast it down. Cast your cares. But notice he doesn't, doesn't just say, cast your cares. He tells us where we are supposed to cast our cares. He, he gives us some specific location for our cares. He says, don't just cast them down. Cast them upon a God who cares for you. Now, not to be too pedantic about this, but that is vitally important. It's important that we understand that we don't just have to let go of our problems and let go of our troubles, but that we need to cast them upon a God who cares for us. 
If we simply let go and just cast them down, but don't put them in the right place, it's nothing more than willful ignorance or, or you know, this idea that we're going to just bury our head in the sand and, and hope that it all goes away. Like you can bury your bills in the drawer of your desk, but that doesn't get them paid. <laughs> Like you, you, you can ignore the fact that your marriage is on the rocks or the symptoms of your sickness, but you aren't going to get healed that way. Like you can try to medicate and numb the pain, whether it's prescription or not, but that doesn't make the problem disappear. You have to actually do something intentional about it. You have to cast your cares upon someone who is capable of caring for you. Uh, let me give you an example. How, how many parents are here today? How many parents? How many parents? Lots of parents in the room. How many uh, want to become parents? Okay. Good, a few others. Um, <laughs> hey, okay. Uh, I, I got two kids, you guys know that. Um, and uh, you parents will probably be able to resonate with this, but my kids, they seem to turn into pack rats every single time we try to leave the house. Like the second we need to go somewhere, even if it's just down the street to the grocery store or over to a friend's house, everything in their possession needs to be packed up to go on that trip. It's like, okay, it's good. It's San Francisco, so it might get cold, so we're gonna put a coat. And uh, oh, and um, I need to get some water in case I get thirsty. And oh, and just in case my kids get hungry on this eight minute ride, we need to put a snack in the car for them. And oh, I'm probably gonna get bored when we get there, so let me grab some toys. And those toys, yeah, they might get a little boring while I'm playing with them, so let me get some paper and some, some pens and some crayons in case we need to color. And oh, we need to get a mask. And like, before you know it, my kids just have all this stuff in their hands that they're walking over to the car and putting down. And I, like every other parent, have the exact same conversation with my kids every time we leave the house. I say it as you've said it. What you carry into the car, you're going to carry out of the car, okay? If you're bringing it, it is your responsibility. It is not mine. I am not your mule. I am not your donkey. Like, I, uh, you're going to carry this stuff. Yet inevitably, what happens every single time we get to our destination, they shed the coat, they leave the water bottle on the ground. They leave the snack bags in the car. The toys are strewn everywhere. And by the time we have to get back to the car or get everything loaded back into the house, guess who ends up carrying it? Your boy. I'm a donkey. That's what happens every single time. I end up just, you know, holding all this stuff while I'm going back up the stairs. And this probably happened to you as a parent before as well. Why? Because you love your kids. Doesn't matter you told them like, hey, I'm not going to carry this. Hey, you love your kids. And so... If something needs to be carried that they can't carry, you're going to carry it for them. And ultimately, that is what Peter is alluding to here. He says, hey, there is a God that cares for you. And because he cares for you, he is willing to carry what you cannot carry. He is willing to allow you to take some stuff off of your shoulders that's crushing you right now and to put it upon himself. Your fear, your pain, your worry, your anxiety, your failures, whatever it is that's keeping you up at night and weighing you down during the day, you can cast those cares upon God because he's a good, loving father and he's capable, willing, able to carry it all for you. It's a beautiful promise. But... Even when we say things like that, it might get, you know, a couple of hand claps in the room and maybe some, some people excited a little bit. But what does that mean, really? Like, practically, how, how do you cast your cares upon God? It's a bit ambiguous, right? 
There was a lady at our, our church years ago, uh, well, the church we came from, and uh, I remember one Sunday, our accountant came into our Tuesday meeting and she showed us a, a, a letter that someone had written to the church and put inside the offering bucket. And as she put it inside the offering bucket, um, she wrote a little note and said, I can't pay my mortgage right now. And there was like five months of back due mortgage and she put her little mortgage statement inside the bucket. I don't know if that's what it means to cast your cares upon God. Like just kind of throw your mortgage in the offering and see what happens. Like <laughs> I could tell you what will happen if you give it to us right now. Well, I'm just kidding. We'd probably love to bless you, but maybe it's, there's like $3 million mortgages in San Francisco. So I don't know if we can afford that, but you get what I'm saying. I don't think that that's what Peter's alluding to right here. Like what does it mean to practically cast our cares upon our creator? I want to spend the remainder of our time together today unpacking that a little bit and answering this question. How do we truly put our cares on God? How do we cast our cares upon him? And I want to look at a narrative from the Old Testament in the book of 2 Kings, maybe one that's unfamiliar to some, but a beautiful story of a king by the name of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was one of the godliest kings of his day. In fact, if you look at the, the lineage of kings that led up to him and even those after him, he, he, was, he stood out. He was one of the godliest kings that Judah had ever seen. His predecessors, they had led the people of God away from worshiping him and it led him towards idols and uh, sexual pagan worship, just a lot of really crazy things. In fact, uh, some of them even sacrificed their children in the fire to worship their gods. But Hezekiah comes on the scene and he's reminded of Yahweh, the one true God. And he says, I am going to eliminate all the Asherah poles and all the pagan worship temples and I'm gonna get rid of everything in the land that doesn't have to do with God. And as long as I'm in, in charge of this place, we are going to worship Yahweh, the one true God. In fact, here's what it says about him in, in the book of 2 Kings uh, chapter 18. It says, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among kings of Judah, either before or after his time. He remained faithful to the Lord in everything, and he carefully obeyed all the commands the Lord had given Moses. Man, if I ever made it into the Bible, that's what I want God to write about me. I'd want that kind of legacy, one that said he loved God. He did everything he could to obey God's commandments. He led people well. Now, as you read that biography, it would be assumed that the following verses would say something like, and because he obeyed God, because he trusted God with his whole heart, soul, mind, strength, God caused him to live at peace with his enemies. There was no trouble in his life and he lived happily ever after, <laughs> right? I mean, like that's what we expect if, if you read that kind of a biography. The guy, I mean, he served God. He, he got rid of all the idols. Like if anyone deserved a carefree life, it would be a guy like Hezekiah. Yet that's not what the next couple of verses say. That's not how life works, is it? And that's not how it worked for him. The story goes on to tell us, just a couple of verses later in verse 13, that in the 14th year of Hezekiah's reign, King Sennacherib of Assyria came to attack the fortified towns of Judah and he conquered them. The 14th year of this guy's reign, the guy who loved God, who abolished all of the pagan idolatry, who obeyed every one of the commandments of Moses in the 14th year of his reign, some enemy comes in, some punk named Sennacherib. What a stupid name, by the way. And, and he conquers part of this kingdom that, that Hezekiah had vowed to serve God. Now, that, that's a head scratch to me, right? I mean, like, that's not the gospel most of us have been preached. <laughs> that's not how it's supposed to go. 
Like, if we serve God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, then our, our bills are supposed to be paid, our health is supposed to be intact, our kids are supposed to be obedient, our city's supposed to let us have church. Like, all the things that, I will preach, all the things that we think should be going a certain way, that's, that's what we would assume if it was preceded by, he did everything to serve the Lord as God. But that's not what happened here. Let me remind you of a truth that probably is not knit into a pillow or on a bumper sticker, but a truth that remains truth nonetheless. When we say yes to Jesus, we do not get a hall pass on trouble. In fact, the moment you say yes to Jesus, you became a target for trouble. The moment you said, I accept you as my Lord and Savior, I want to follow you all the days of my life, you suddenly put some fear in the heart of hell. The enemy is now agitated because before then, your life didn't really matter. You didn't pose a threat to hell. But now you're going to start telling people about Jesus. You're going to start living generously. You're going to start serving. You're going to start building the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. Well, now all of a sudden, you got hell a little bit scared. And they're not just going to sit back and take it and go, you go ahead and build the kingdom of God. No, you've got a real enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy everything that God wants to do in your life. And you have been equipped to fight on this planet. Not to just sit back and enjoy the journey of blessing, but to fight the good fight of faith. Jesus said, in this world, you will see some trouble. He promised trouble to you. He promised that there would be some opposition. But listen, when the enemy opposes you, you should be flattered a little bit because that is proof that you are living out the call of God. You are posing a threat to hell itself. And as you begin to walk out and see opposition, don't let it take you out. Let it equip you to fight all the harder. Yeah, you're going to see some trouble, but Jesus said, take heart because I have already overcome this world. Everything you're going to face, I have overcome. Trouble's promised. It's guaranteed. You can't avoid that one. But you do get to decide how you respond to it. Let me say it like this in light of the, the scripture that we're diving into today. Cares are coming whether you like it or not. But you get to decide how you respond to those cares. And when it comes to cares, there's two responses. You can carry them or you can cast them. Say it with me. You can carry them or you can cast them. You can carry them or you can cast them. That was a fishing rod in case you didn't get it. I've obviously never fished before in my life. <laughs> That's how you do it, right? Yeah, you can carry your cares or you can cast them. And sadly... I think far too many believers don't heed the advice of 1 Peter chapter 5, and we end up carrying for a little too long those things that we should be casting. We try to deal with it on our own. We seek worldly counsel. We try to numb the pain. We try to fix the problem ourselves. We don't tell anybody about it. Like, I can, I can fix myself. I can heal myself. I can set myself free. We do everything we can in our own power to deal with our own cares, and we use God as the last resort. Or maybe if you're the spiritual type, you pretend to cast your cares on God, but then you pick them back up. Oh, you've prayed that prayer before, haven't you? Jesus, I just can't deal with this any longer. I'm so, I, I hate it. I'm overwhelmed. I'm so tired of trying to fix things on my own. I hand it over to you. Here, you can have it. I, I, I can't get the job. I'm still waiting for a spouse. My pet's heads are falling off. I said that last week, like, ah. And then the second you say amen, you pick that problem right back up. 
and you start scheming, you start strategizing, you start swiping right, you start doing whatever you need to do in your own power to find an answer to your prayer instead of trusting God to do it for you. And if you've done that before, as many of us have, you've come to this painful revelation that when we carry our cares, they crush us. When we try to carry that which only God is equipped to carry, it will take you out. And sadly, that lesson had to be learned the hard way by our friend Hezekiah. He he learned what it means to try to carry his own cares. So here's how the story goes. The the king of Assyria comes and he begins to, to make some threats against the kingdom of Judah. He begins to fire off some messages to Hezekiah. And Hezekiah freaks out and he doesn't know what to do. And so he tries to make peace, an allegiance, an alliance, a a treaty with with Assyria. And he says, okay, just tell me how much money you want and I'll pay you. And if I pay you, then then, then you'll go away, right? And and the king of Assyria makes this astronomical request that there's no way Hezekiah could, could, could meet. But he tries anyway. He tries to fix it on his own. So he goes into his palace and he he empties all of his treasuries of silver. And then he goes into the Lord's temple and he begins to take all of the offerings that people have brought to the Lord and he empties the Lord's temple of all the silver, but there still isn't enough. And then he starts going to the doors in the temple and he starts stripping the gold off of the doors of the temple. He even like unscrews the doorknobs and starts taking the gold doorknobs off of the door, which honestly should have been an indicator that this probably wasn't the right plan. Like, if I ever have to start stripping the speakers down to get us out of trouble, just someone stop me and find a new pastor for this church, all right? Like, that is really bad leadership. But that's what he does. He takes all that he's got, and he shoves it over to the Assyrian king. He's like, okay, uh, Seneca, Reb, stupid name king, whatever your name is, here, will this work? And the king kind of laughs. He's like, nah, this ain't enough. And the enemy remains in their territory and and continues to usher threats to God's people. Why? Because anytime you try to fight a natural enemy, or excuse me, a spiritual enemy with natural means, you will fail. Anytime you try to tackle something that only God can tackle in his strength, you're destined for failure. And that's exactly what happened to Hezekiah. Look what happens. The king of Assyria comes and he issues this letter to Hezekiah. And he's like, you think you're going to be able to to, to strike a treaty with me? Well, here's what I say. Don't let your God, verse 19, don't let your God in whom you trust, excuse me, verse 10, don't let your God in whom you trust deceive you with promises that Jerusalem will not be captured by the king of Assyria. You know perfectly well what the kings of Assyria have done wherever they have gone. They have completely destroyed everyone who stood in their way. Why should you be any different? The enemy just chest out, stands up and says, what do you got now? And suddenly, Hezekiah is faced once again with a decision. Am I going to try to fix this one on my own? Or am I going to finally trust God? Am I going to carry my cares? Or am I going to cast them on the one who cares for me? And this time he chooses wisely. He reaches 800 years into the future before Peter ever pens this scripture to paper and he begins to cast his cares upon God. Look at what he does in in the very next verse here in verse 14. It says, after Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and he read it, he went up to the Lord's temple and he spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed this prayer before God. Oh, Lord, God of Israel, you are enthroned between the mighty cherubim. You alone are God of all the kingdoms of the earth. 
You alone created the heavens and the earth. Bend down, O Lord, and listen. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Listen to Sennacherib's words of defiance against the living God. And now, O God, rescue us from his power. Then all the kingdoms of the earth will know. They will know that you alone, O Lord, are God. He says, God, I can't do this. I get it now, all right? I'm incapable of fighting this enemy. My army is smaller. My resources are limited. I can't deal with this on my own. I'm going to trust it and trust it to you. I'm not gonna try to fix it. I'm not gonna try to carry it. You're the God who created the heavens and the earth in the first place. You're the God who oversees all of the kingdoms of the earth, wicked or righteous, it does not matter. And so I'm coming to you, the God of the universe, and I'm entrusting my care to you. And then as a sign of surrender, he takes this letter that the king had sent as a threat. And he begins to lay this letter out in the presence of God, and he gets down on his knees, and he says, Lord, there's it. there it is, there's the evidence. There's the threat against me, there's the problem, there's the worry, there's the care. I can't do anything about it, this is a God-sized problem. So you're gonna need to fix this one. And then I love what he prays from this posture. It says that while he's praying, he says, and Lord, would you, would you win a victory as your enemy is coming against you? Would, you? would you begin to fight against the enemy that's coming against you, oh Lord? That's an interesting prayer to me. Because the threats were not against God. They were against Judah. They were against the king. But, but Hezekiah taps into something that I think many of us need to tap into today. He reminds God and in so doing also reminds himself that his enemy is God's enemy. Oh, come on, somebody. Your enemy is God's enemy. Let me say that again. Your enemy is God's enemy. When you are coming up against all hell itself, when it feels like every demon on the face of the planet is attacking, you need to remember, it's not you they're attacking, it's the God on the inside of you that they don't like. It's the God on the inside of you that poses a threat to them. And so if your enemy is God's enemy, guess what? Then the entire wrath of God gets exercised on your enemy on your behalf. He begins to fight your battles for you. Come on, our God is a consuming fire. His voice splits the mighty cedars. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. At the mention of the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to the glory of God the Father that he is who he says he is. And according to scripture, he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. The very people that are being attacked and threatened in this scripture, he is the lion of their tribe. And when someone starts to mess with the tribe, the lion doesn't take it lightly. The lion stands up on their behalf and he begins to bite and attack any enemy that tries to come against his tribe. It says in Isaiah chapter 31 that the Lord is like a lion hovering over his prey and after he's killed it, he keeps everyone else at bay. And the same way that that lion hovers over his prey, the Lord hovers over you, daring the enemy to come close, daring the enemy to approach. This is mine, he says. And that's the God that Hezekiah casts his cares upon. 
That's the God that Hezekiah lays out this letter to. And that's the God that Peter is telling you to cast your cares upon because he cares for you. If you get nothing else out of this, this is what I want you to get today. This is the main thought. How do you cast your cares upon God? You lay out the letter. You lay out the letter. Because listen, every single one of us has one of these. Every one of us has a letter that's been issued against us. Every one of us has a list of problems that we cannot handle on our own. Whether it's incurable sickness, whether it's mounting debt, the looming divorce, the lingering unemployment, whatever it might be, you have some letters that have been issued against you. The question is, what are you going to do with them? Will you try to cling to this? Will you carry it? Will you try to fix it yourself? Or, or will you do what Hezekiah did? And will you lay the letter out before God and say, I can't do anything about this. Only you can fix this, God. Let, 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 me, let me read you a couple of the lines from my letter right now. And you've got your own paragraphs as well. But here's a couple of things that, that I'm praying through, that I'm laying out before God right now. Your, your daughter has an incurable blood disorder that causes her spleen to remain enlarged and it runs the risk of rupturing. The only option is to let it remain like a ticking time bomb or to have it removed, which would simultaneously compromise her immune system beyond its already compromised state. Those are the facts. The churchy pastor still remains isolated and forbidden from gathering after six months of being asked to close. Yet while infection rates and deaths continue to drastically decline and San Francisco maintains national lows that would place us at the threshold of minimal spread, by the state's metrics, your city has still maintained its position that churches are forbidden from gathering. Little to no attention has been given to the mental, emotional, or psychological toll that forbidding people to gather and worship their God has taken on individuals. Yet even as many other businesses and operations are allowed to open with limited capacity and safety protocols, the doors of the house of God must remain closed. Those are the facts. Your children are suffering the damaging effects of distance learning and are spending hours every day staring at a screen and learning nothing. <laughs> Their education is suffering, and they run the risk of falling behind along with all of their peers, but you can do nothing about it because as working parents, you can't be a full-time teacher, a full-time pastor, and a full-time business owner. Trivocational is impossible. And so they are left to simply suffer the consequences of their season. I got a lot of paragraphs. I could go on. Not to mention the, the cares that all of us are facing right now. Racial unrest, political chaos, Injustice. We've all got a letter. But I wonder what would happen if a community of people would do what Hezekiah did. I wonder what would happen if a community of people would simply lay down those things that they were never fashioned to carry. And I don't just mean this figuratively, I mean literally. What if we were to simply write down a letter? of all the things that we're facing this week. And to just set that letter in the presence of God and say, I can't do anything about this. I, on my best day, I cannot solve these problems, 
but I'm laying out the letter and I'm leaving it in your hands. I am casting my cares upon you because I know that you care for me. You're not a God that's afar off and unfamiliar with my problems. You're not indifferent to what I'm facing right now. No, you love me and you care for me. And the same way that a loving father would gather up all of his kids' stuff and carry it upstairs, you are more than willing. You are more than able to carry my pain and my failure and my sickness and my depression and my fear. All of it, you can carry what I'm walking through right now. I think that if we would do this, if we would simply do what first Peter tells us to do, that we would experience the reality of a God who cares for us. He would rush in and he would carry. Now, does that mean that we're immediately going to see breakthrough? I don't know. It may not even be on this side of heaven, but I know that as we cast our cares upon him, we take his yoke upon ourselves that we will not be burdened down and crushed by the things that we were never created to carry and that we will have a supernatural, unmistakable peace. It's ours for the taking. Let, let me tell you how this story ends and as I do, the band can come as we conclude. But I think this ending is inspiring because I think this ending is your ending. I think this ending is our ending. I think this is our promise if we'll be faithful to cast our cares upon him, to lay out the letter and trust him with the things that we cannot handle on our own. Second Kings 19.35 says, after he laid out the letter, that night the angel of the Lord went out to the Assyrian camp and it killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. When the surviving Assyrians woke up the next morning, they found corpses everywhere. Then King, stupid name, of Assyria broke camp and returned to his own land he went home to his capital of Nineveh and he never came back. Translation, when Hezekiah trusted God, when he stopped trying to carry it and he cast it upon him, God swooped in, he began to fight his battles for him and the enemy turned tail and never came back. Come on, I think that that is the promise of God for us today. If we'll be faithful to lay those things out before him, if we'll be faithful to stop trying to fight the battles we can't fight and carry the things that we cannot carry, he will swoop into the middle of our situation and he will be the victorious one. He will be the champion that we sang about earlier. The God that is able, the God that every knee must bow down to and every tongue must confess is Lord. He will swoop in and he will carry your cares upon himself so that you can walk this thing out. Very simply, how do you cast your cares? Lay out the letter. Cast those things upon Jesus and let him fight for you. I know that seems silly. It seems ridiculous. But man, I did this. We did this a couple of weeks ago with our team. We asked everybody to write some stuff down about what our city was saying churches could and couldn't do. And I said, I want you guys to put that piece of paper on the floor. I want you to fast and I want you to pray and I want you to call down heaven wherever you're praying because we cannot fight this battle, but God can. Come on, I challenge you to do that this week. Write some stuff down, lay it out before God and let him do the fighting for you. Amen? Come on, let's pray. You can bow your heads in this room and for those listening or watching online, you can bow your head wherever you're at as well. Jesus, I thank you that you are our champion. I thank you that you are the victorious one. I thank you that nothing can stand against you. Every wall gets broken down that tries to stop you. Every enemy must fall on their face. Every plot employee of the enemy 
it gets confused and you fight on behalf of your people. You are the lion that goes before us. You trailblaze. You make the road travelable. You remove the stones as it says in Isaiah 62. Jesus, I pray right now for every situation represented, watching, listening here today. I know there's people even in the room right now that are walking through something that's impossible to fix, terminal sickness. We declare that you are victorious over every situation represented. Everyone watching, everyone listening, everyone here present right now, you are victorious. You are the provider, not another job. You are the healer, not a doctor. You are the one who sets us free, not a pill. You are our champion and we trust you today. And even as I'm praying this, would you just maybe even symbolically just begin to take your hand and lay some stuff down. God, we lay down our, our worries. We lay down our anxieties. We lay down our fears today. All of our cares, we lay them down. We cast them onto you because you care for us today. And even as I'm praying that, if you're watching, you're listening and you would say, hey, Pastor Tim, I'm I hear what you're saying, but unlike Hezekiah, I have not made that kind of a fierce commitment to God. I, I don't have the relationship with him where I can just cast my cares upon him. It's very simple. I'm gonna pray a simple prayer with you right now. But God isn't trying to keep you at a distance. He's more than willing to take your stuff today. If you will just simply commit your life to him. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. It's that simple. So let's pray a prayer like that together. If you need to make this decision, you can make it wherever you're listening or watching from. Just say in your heart after me, Jesus, today I give you my life. I thank you for giving your life for mine. I choose today to follow you. I don't just cast my cares upon you. I lay my life in your hands. Help me to be your disciple, to walk in your ways from this day forward until I see you in heaven one day. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we just thank God for all those praying today? best decision you'll ever make. If you just prayed that prayer, uh, there's a little button popping up in the live stream. It says, raise your hand. Uh, you can click that button, or if you're watching on YouTube, you can click the link below that says connect. We are going to ask for a little bit of information about, about yourself because we are so passionate about helping you get started strong on this journey. We want to get a Bible into your hands. We want to tell you about your next steps. We have a group called First 40 every single week that teaches you how to read the Bible, how to pray, what this journey of faith looks like. And most importantly, we want to get you in the baptism tank because your next step is to be water baptized. So if you made that decision, please don't log off. Make sure you take your next step. For the rest of you guys, we are hoping that very soon, maybe even as soon as this next week, in Jesus' name, that we'll be able to gather again. But until we can, we love you and have an amazing Sunday. We'll see you soon. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helped you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, we want to pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church, and click on the prayer and praise link and tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.